Welcome to Ask a Lawyer with me, Steve Sleeper. Our guest today is DUI criminal defense lawyer Joe Good with Joe Good Law in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina near Charleston. His motto is, when it's bad, call good. I began the interview by asking Joe about himself and his firm. Well, I'm a solo practitioner. I, I, I could go back just a hair just to give you a little perspective on my crazy uh, past, but um, I've always been a drummer since I was about six or seven. And um, so one of my passions is playing drums. I still play. It's funny how a lot of lawyers are musicians. And um, so I have a weekly jam session Wednesdays or Thursday nights with um, predominantly lawyers. And so that's a lot of fun. But in my past life, I played in a, a band and we toured all over the country and we had a little independent record deal out of Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and had a booking agent out of Boston and got to do some fun tours. And so because of that, I didn't go to law school till, till I was 28. I got out of law school and um, worked at in the Court of Appeals for a little while and then started working with some friends in a firm we started. And I was doing real estate law for three years until I decided that for me, I was incredibly bored because I wanted to go to court and kind of feel more like a lawyer. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't really feel like a lawyer. I felt a little more like a, you know, transactional kind of just businessman doing real estate stuff. And so um, it's a great business. I have a lot of good friends that are real estate lawyers and they love it. And that's great. I just didn't. Um, and I wanted to argue in court and, you know, be careful what you wish for because there's many days that I'm in court a lot. I mean, I've already been to court twice today. And, um, you know, there's many days where I wish I could just sit in the office. But so I got into doing criminal defense work because that is the area of the law that goes to court the most. Lawyers love to help each other. And that's one of the cool things about our business. And so I reached out to literally reached out to anybody I could that I knew had been doing it a while. I had a good reputation and said, can I just come sit down with you? And everybody, not every, most everybody was receptive. And um, some old school powerhouse lawyers were very nice to me. One of them, a local Charleston lawyer named Gedney Howe, was super nice. And literally, I went and sat down with him one day and he bought me a sandwich and we had, ate lunch and he gave me advice. He said, you have one hour. After the hour was over, he said, come back in 30 days. And then I went back. And then after that hour, he said, come back in 60 days. And it was like oh, going man. to the doctor. And I mean, to take that kind of time for a young lawyer that, you know, he didn't really know was amazing. And he taught me a, a lot. And but I had there were lots of lawyers. That's a common story. And there's lots of lawyers that did that for me and helped me out. And one of the ways they helped me out was by saying, um, you need to go do these training courses. I always say going to law school is like studying uh, Spanish in high school um, or a little bit in college, but until you actually go to the country and learn how to order food and a beer or whatever in that language, you you, you don't really know what you're doing. So same thing with lawyer, being a lawyer is you learn what you do in law school and until you get out and start really putting into the practice and learning your area through continuing education and, and whatnot, then, um, you, you, I mean, that's what it takes. You specialize in criminal defense. How much of it is uh, DUI defense? I would say a huge percentage of it. And, um, it's because it's kind of a common, probably the most common criminal infraction, 
you know, other than a speeding ticket that is uh, given out. But it's a really focused niche area that takes a lot of a lot of training. And um, and I've done almost all of it and 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 more. I just finished uh, doing a four week certification in Chicago, but I split the four weeks up over two years, um, which is kind of common. But it was in toxicology for testing blood and drugs. I, I, I'm the first American Chemical Society lawyer, scientist, designator, de- designatee in South Carolina. And um, what happened was like three years, every year I kind of sit down and say, all right, how can I get better at my job this year? Meaning what classes can I take or what what um, training can I get in this calendar year to push the ball forward and just to get a little bit better. So this time next year, I'll just be a little bit better than I was last year. And about three years ago, I had heard about this lawyer scientist um, designation that takes about 160 hours in a lab in Chicago and a big exam. I said, well, what the hell? Let's do it. So I signed up and uh, went for the first week and then just kind of kept knocking weeks out when they would offer it over the course. And then COVID happened. So that set me back a little bit. And so I knocked that out. And um, that's been very helpful. I, I Another lawyer in Charleston is about to go to his first week. I'm really excited about that because I want more lawyers to have that training so that when it comes to blood cases or drug cases, they're asking for all this specialized discovery um, that most people don't ask for because they don't know to ask for it. And that's kind of what you learn in Chicago is what to ask for and why. What should I expect from a good DUI defense lawyer? If I was looking to hire somebody, um, it would be how long have they been doing it? Because, uh-huh. you know, they call it the practice of law for a reason because you're literally, it's like practicing basketball or tennis or golf or whatever. You literally, and I, we laugh about it all the time. Even 15 years in, I'm still, I'll learn a, a new lesson, you know, here and there and go, oh, that, that's why they call it practicing law. So you have to have those experiences over time. To where now I can look at a client and say, oh, I've seen, I've been in that scenario before. I know how this is going to shake out. Uh-huh. So experience is good. Training is essential. And most people, that's really for me, the the other than marketing, the best reason for a website is so people can look and see what kind of training you have. You know, what kind All of right. trial training do you have? I've done lots of trial training. Then finally, I would say um, communication in any relationship is is essential, especially with clients. And so some people tell me I'm crazy to do this, but I've always just given my clients my cell number. And sometimes the clients abuse it, but I just, you know, turn off the ringer. And But I always tell my clients, I say, you know, text me, call me. If I don't answer, you know, I will when I can. And I've literally woken up at 3.30 in the morning and, grabbed my phone and looked at my phone and had a client text me, you know, from a couple hours earlier and I'll respond. They'll laugh and say, wow, I can't believe you responded to my text at three 30 in the morning. And so I always tell my clients, you know, in a career, you don't really have office hours. I'm not clocking in and clocking out on any given day. You know, it just never ends. I'll be on vacation. I mean, I, I remember being in San Francisco, standing in line for to get on the ferry to go to Alcatraz talking to a new client and you know it just vacations are great but at the same time i don't i, I never off duty i know clients get anxiety with 
criminal charges hanging over their heads. I want to be accessible to them to help ease their mind. I've got a good team of people, so they can always talk to somebody if they don't even talk to me. But I like for them to just call me or text me. And and so communication is big. That's something you want from your lawyer, too. Do I understand in South Carolina there's, there is not a, a roadside breath test? Right. Yeah. yeah. P- PBT, portable breath test is what they call them. And um, that we don't have it. First of all, I don't understand how portable breath tests on the side of the road could be accurate. And the reason being is if I took a swig of of um, Listerine, because yeah. I'm trying to cover up the fact that I just drank a beer and I'm not impaired. And then I blow into a portable breath test, the mouth alcohol from the Listerine could register a number and it's completely inaccurate. So those tests are, I'm glad we don't have those. I, I honestly can't even believe we, we only allow people to blow one time on the breathalyzer machine in South Carolina, which is our machine's called the data master DMT. Uh, it's, 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 you know, they, they ask you to blow one time and in, in a bunch of other States around the country, they blow twice. Mm-hmm. And the analogy I use, um, it, I've used it in trial a bunch of times and it makes sense is I hold up an EPT pregnancy test. And I had this experience with my wife when um, she thought she was pregnant and she said, go to the store and buy a pregnancy test. And by the way, why is it they always send us to do that? Yeah, right, right. (laughs) You know, I felt like I was 14 years old buying cigarettes at the drugstore or or whatever, you know. And I'm like in aisle five in Publix looking around like, is anybody looking, you know, (laughs) forty years old like what do i care so i look up in the pregnancy test on the shelf there's a package with one in it there's one with two in it there's one with three in it and of course i bought the one with three right can you not have enough like right let's be sure so she takes two she didn't take three she only took two one was positive and one was negative so now what right so then we go see dr bradford who's a board certified OBGYN. Dr. Bradford does a blood test and confirms that, yes, she was pregnant. And now we have a little five-year-old running around all over the place. So that's great. But it took two tests and a blood test to confirm it with a board-certified doctor. All right. So um, on the pregnancy test, it says, on the pregnancy test, on the box, it says 99.9% accurate. It literally says it in big letter or numbers on the box. And so in science, anything in science, you can't say a hundred percent, nothing's right. absolute in science. And that's a, the science measurement on that test. And so saying it's 99.9% is like saying it's a hundred percent. They're saying this thing is always right. Well, if it's always right, why do you need more than one in the box? Right. And the answer is because it's not always right. That's why right. you have three. You're not buying three for next year when we get pregnant and the year after that you're buying three to double check well why don't we do that with the breathalyzer test i mean because if i don't if i if i had to rely on one breathalyzer test and the first one was negative and then then we then we would have thought we weren't pregnant but it's the same thing the state is relying on one pregnancy test and then saying go send out the baby invitations to the baby shower and go ahead and paint the nursery blue and buy a crib and buy some trucks and toys and rely on all this. They're trying to convict you on this test that 
we it's it's almost like a presumptive test. It's not confirmatory. You haven't confirmed it through a blood test or whatever, which is why in the state of Texas, they do mostly blood tests now. Right. Right. So, so that training I did in Chicago um, was mostly Texas lawyers because they have to learn about the blood draw stuff. And so in South Carolina, it mostly has to do with felony DUIs um, is when they draw your blood, but we were mostly breath tests. And so, yeah, I mean, the fact that, that you just rely on this one test is just, insane and the other part of the law and in, in the dui law in south carolina is the higher you blow the more extreme the penalties are right right so not only are they trying to base innocent or guilt or or crappy plea offer on the fact that you blew a number but the higher it goes the more the judge is going to sentence you to a, in, enormous fines a couple several thousand dollars if it's a dui second i mean you could be looking at years in jail, DUI third, whatever. So it's kind of crazy. So no, we don't have portable breathalyzer tests and and we should have more breathalyzer tests, you know, uh, at the police station. Now, or blood. We shouldn't just go to blood. Well, yeah, yeah. Now do do they um do they do the other tests uh roadside like the walk a line and I can never remember the name of the you know the pen before your eyes and uh I, Yeah the HGN. Yeah uh, it's horizontal uh, gaze nystagmus. Basically, if you if you hold your head still and and you look over with your eyes, if the inside white part of your eyes is um, jumpy, mm-hmm. um, then that's nystagmus, um, and it can be caused by the presence of alcohol in your blood. And then they do the walk and turn and, and the one leg stand. Um, I was telling a story to a client yesterday. I tried a DUI in a, in a small little island town, and I had the police officer come off the stand and do the field sobriety test for me, the one leg stand and the walk and turn. Uh-huh. And he couldn't do either one. And I looked at him and I said, um, Wow. And he was an older gentleman. And I so I suspected he probably would not be able to, to do them very well. And I said, Well, you didn't come to court impaired were you drinking before court and he said no and i said well your the field sobriety test would indicate that you were and it was a not guilty um so that was nice so how many how many cases actually go to court as opposed as opposed to a, a a plea deal i would say most cases are pled out um or dismissed uh-huh. uh, depending on a lot of factors defending duis has gotten a little bit tougher in the last year because of a, a recent case that came out of the appellate courts um, that makes suppression of evidence a little bit tougher or dismissals a little bit tougher. That said, they just don't have time to try everything. So they have to give you a plea deal, whether or not it's the plea deal you want. You know, we are always looking in the cases, trying to find w- the little thing that helps to us to get it to where we want it to be. And, um, and then everybody's happy, hopefully, at the end of the day. And if not, then we go to trial. And and I love to go to trial. I tell people all the time, you know, if I I love to play golf, if I'm on the on the driving range all the time and I never actually get to play 18 holes, then it wouldn't be very satisfying. Right. Right. That said, um, I would you know, most cases are played out and, and you don't get to try that many. I had one go to trial recently and it settled literally the morning of. I think people don't 
ultimately want to be in court. If we're in municipal or magistrate level court, I can keep my clients from ever going to court. Um, I'm allowed to appear on their behalf, mm-hmm. uh, even to do a plea. If we're in a circuit court, they obviously have to appear, but only once. I would keep them from ever going, except for maybe at the at the end for a plea. Obviously, if you go to trial, you, the, the client has to be in court. But I represent a lot of tourists, Charleston, and, and I handle cases from Myrtle Beach down to Hilton Head and everywhere in between. And um, and so there's tourists all up and down our coast. And right. so right. I, I would say half or more of my clients are tourists from out of state. And the first thing I tell them is, there's a real good chance you'll never have to come back to deal right. with this. Right. I can do it for you. And that makes people real happy that, you know, they don't have to come back. So how about CDLs? Do those end up going to court? Uh... CDL is a whole nother ball game. I mean, you have to first ask, are they in a commercial vehicle or are they in their private vehicle? Cause that matters. You can mess up your CDL so easily with, getting charged with a DUI or getting convicted of a DUI or anything like right. that. I have a guy that we got his DUI reduced to reckless driving and he's got a CDL and, and it's not messing his CDL up, but it's making his insurance go up pretty high. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, we're not magicians. <laughs> we yeah, are problem solvers and we can help, but you know, I can't do it all. Unfortunately, prescription meds to, um, do you, do you see those with uh, DUIs or? Yeah, so it's moving more that way now, especially um, with the advent of uh, CBD and and gummies, Delta Eight and Delta Nine, um, THC, and you you have more and more people that are not impaired from drinking, but presumably impaired from drugs. Yeah. Um, whether it's marijuana or whatever, I see a lot of uh, Ambien, Xanax, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so what will happen, and I get this question a lot, is people say, well, what if I blow under the limit or blow a zero, which I've had happen lots of times, do they just let me go home? And I wrote a blog um, about this on my blog and the answer is no, they don't, they didn't arrest you for being drunk. They arrested you for being impaired, whether that means drugs or alcohol. And they can't confirm what's in your blood right now, but they can get you to uh, give them a urine sample or a blood sample. And then when the lab report comes back in a month or longer, then we'll know what's in there. And then we can decide whether you were impaired or not. And, um, and so they're going to still keep you in jail overnight and let you bond out the next day as if you as if you had blown a big number or refused the breathalyzer. So just because you blow a zero doesn't mean you get to go home. Okay. Because okay. it, might, it might mean that you have um, drugs in your body. And uh, the, the cops are able to ascertain that you're impaired. Like, for instance, I ate five gummies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know they can probably tell that you know something's something's up. Yeah, I mean, they, so there's they there are a lot of officers that have gone through the drug recognition classes. Okay, and they become DREs or drug recognition experts, and um, they can't classify or or they can't tell you exactly what drug they think you're under the influence of, but they can get to the classification. 
they can say, I think that person's on a benzo or an opioid or whatever. And, um, and, and they have special field tests um, to look at the eyes, to see how the eyes and the pupils respond to light and to movement to determine maybe which classification of drugs somebody may be under the influence of. And so they will uh, run somebody through those tests just to get an idea. And then they'll ask for a urinalysis or a blood sample later. And so then it'll take time to figure it out. Hey, my final question. Yeah. If I plan on pleading guilty, do I still need a lawyer? Yeah, but I could, that's loaded because I could say, but why would you want to plead guilty? So, right. Because you don't have to. It's almost like, why would you pay an estate tax if you can get a estate planner to shelter your money in a trust or something? You know, it's that's why they call the estate tax an optional tax, right? Right. Why would you plead guilty to something if you can either hire an attorney to help make it better, which we always will? I mean, I, I will make, I will absolutely make every case better in some regard, even in the worst case scenario, it's going to be, you know, if you're going to plead guilty, I'm going to keep you from going to jail or I'm going to reduce the fine. I mean, in a worst case scenario, I will make it better. So either you hire a lawyer and, and get a lawyer to help you make it better, or you um, get a public defender if you qualify. And, um, and, and on that note, when you hire a lawyer, the prosecutors know that that's part of the punishment. Because you're having to pay us a lot of money. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the prosecutors say, oh, if you didn't hire a lawyer, they're, then they're thinking, well, they're not taking it seriously and they're not having to pay a lawyer. And so we're going to throw the book at them a little bit harder. Um, if you take it seriously and hire a lawyer, then that helps. So there's that too. But um, yeah, I, 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 I would never advise anybody to, to go that route, you know, because you don't have to. Our guest today on Ask a Lawyer with Steve Sleeper is DUI criminal defense lawyer Joe Good with Joe Good Law in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, near Charleston. His phone number is 843-412-1401, and his website is joegoodlaw.com.